Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome again, everybody, to Resurrection Sunday. We've been so excited, ready for this service. Every time we get together, something about celebrating our Savior's resurrection. The first thing I want to say is, I know what you're thinking. Why aren't we continuing with the music? Can I, I hear you. I was awesome. I appreciate their gift and, and amen and leading us in that. What a blessing. And I love all the words pointed to Jesus. Amen. And that's what we're here to do. We want to look in the Word and, and see what the Word says and encourage us about our risen Savior. Uh, you know, we're here not just to celebrate a resurrection. I believe we're here to experience one for ourselves. And so I believe that's what Jesus did when he came again and, and, and rose from the grave, gave us the ability to, to walk in new life, resurrected life. And just a few things before we get started. Uh, on the seat back in front of you, there's a survey card. I, I just appreciate if everybody grabbed one. You don't have to fill it out this moment. There's no information on there like name, address, phone number, anything like that. But we know that on Easter Sunday, we have more people here than we typically have. Uh, a lot of you that are Tree of Lifers um, are all here usually than people that are visiting and checking out the church or it's Easter Sunday, so you're coming. And a lot of you that don't go here, you're here. We're thankful for that. Appreciate you coming out this morning. I thought it'd be a great opportunity just to get some information, some feedback for you. You know, we're always praying and seeing what God would have us do as we believe he sets our course for the year. Um, but I think also it's important for us to know what you're going through, where you're at in life. I just want to make sure that I'm a church that's answering questions people are asking. And uh, the world that we live in is changing. You're facing different things in life. And so the first question on that survey is this. I'd like to hear a message on what the Bible says about. And so just take a minute. We put some things on there just to kind of get the thoughts, the juices flowing a little bit. You got a couple of things that you can fill in the blank. You can fill in your own thoughts, write some other things in there. Again, I, you know, I look in the scripture and I see how Jesus taught. He taught primarily through parables and those came from questions from his disciples. They would ask him a question about something or something that he saw happen. And so we want to make sure that we are, um, you know, connecting with you and where you're at in life. We want to be that church that's helped meeting your needs. And so uh, we have other things planned throughout the year, but we're going to plan a series in the fall based on the feedback that we get from this question. So take the time, if you don't mind, to fill that out real quick. The second thing is simply this, what city or area do you live in? Because here's what we know, God put us right here on I-35, and not just to be a church that, that is a blessing here in the New Braunfels community, but outlying communities as well. And in fact, if you could, for just a second, if you do not live, if you do not live in New Braunfels, could you just raise your hand real quick? I mean, that's probably about 50% of the congregation, that's what we got last service. So thank you, God bless you for coming out today. Listen, we want to be a blessing here in New Braunfels, but we want to be a blessing in the community that you live in. We want to be able to uh, reach out to your area and, be, and help with different things. We want to provide pastoral care, do outreaches, we want to pro provide events and activities also in the areas that you live in. So again, just take a moment and just simply write down the community that you live in. There's no, we're not asking for names or addresses or anything on this one and just put that in the offering when it comes by. We would greatly appreciate that. That would be a huge blessing for us. And then also want to let you know that uh, this is really, it's Easter Sunday, but we're kicking off a series and, and, and our series is entitled Keys and that's what we're talking about this morning. We'll get into that in a minute. But then the next four weeks, we're gonna take the same idea because uh, in Revelation, we'll read that scripture in just a moment, Jesus went and got the keys, the Bible says, to hell and death, to everything that's hell in your life and everything that's dead and dying. And so there's a lot of things that cause those feelings and those emotions in us. And the Bible has the key to unlock freedom in those areas. And so over the next four weeks, we'll be talking about how do you, how do you unlock the key to 
Where is the key to unlock how you hear God's voice clearly, the voice of the Lord? Where is the key that unlocks how you know what his plan for your life is? How about the key that unlocks forgiveness, because that's so important in our relationships and our emotions? And where's the key to unlock stress and things like that we face every day? Well, all of that's found in the word by the work that Jesus did, and not only going on the cross, but then rising in power and victory. So I want to invite you back as well after that. All right. Hey, but we're here to celebrate the risen, the risen Savior. Open your Bibles up if you have a Revelation 1. If not, no problem. We got them on the screen. Uh, get your live notes out or get that. That's a great way to follow along. And we just welcome everybody also at home joining us through the stream and online. So again, you know, this is kind of probably one of my favorite. Maybe every pastor would say Easter is their favorite service. Actually, I like all the holidays. I like all the holidays. I love all the things associated with it. Um, but I especially enjoy Easter uh, as we celebrate the resurrection. And I really enjoy it because so many people come out more than any other service. Um, you know, but, but, but I think as a believer, someone who has a relationship with Jesus, every day I should celebrate the resurrection. Amen? And because he created newness in life in my life by what he did. And so, you know, I always love talking about the crucifixion and the cross because that's what enabled Jesus not only to pay for our sin, that's typically what we focus on, but it also enabled Jesus to go into uh, the earth, hell if you will, and take the keys to, to death and, and hell is what the Bible says. So the crucifixion enabled Jesus to go down and get the keys to unlocking freedom in your life and my life, and the resurrection enables Jesus to give those to you. Amen. I love that. So he went and snatched them, and then he came through the resurrection power and made it available for each and every one of our lives. I heard somebody say it this way one time, the devil's so defeated, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house anymore. <laughs> Jesus went down and whooped him and got the keys, but he did that for you and I. And so, you know, he was on a mission. He wasn't on a mission, just a resurrection mission, so we would celebrate one day a year as Easter, the, resurrect, the resurrection day, or resurrection service. He did it so we could celebrate resurrections for everybody. And so we're not here just to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but we're here to experience one for ourselves. And again, you know, keys, he snatched the keys, and keys are for a purpose. Keys unlock things. He was on a mission to go get those keys so he could unlock the, the things in your life that are causing hell in your life, the things that are, are dead or dying in your life. So let's take a look, Revelation 1, 17. Here's how it starts. And this is the, uh, the John the disciple, one of the followers of Jesus. Most all the other followers of Jesus' disciples were, were horribly put to death. They were martyred, terrible deaths. John was put out on an island, and, and there till he died, he was exiled. And while I was there, he wrote the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Now he has an encounter with Jesus, and it says this, and when I saw him, John's right, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. In other words, he passed out, and you would too, because it says he laid, and then Jesus reached down and picked him up and said to him, do not be afraid. Now, interesting because I think God has such a great sense of humor because Jesus shows up not as he was, not as just the man walking around and John was hanging out with and eating with and doing stuff with. The Bible says, you can read the previous scriptures, the Bible says now Jesus in his glorified body had eyes like fire. He had hair like wool. He had, out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. And so when John heard the voice of Jesus turned around, you would pass out too. And it's just funny, God's sense of humor. He shows up, Jesus shows up, he does all his things. And he has to start most everything, like don't be afraid. It's almost like, I was just kidding, don't be afraid. I was just kidding. I love his sense of humor. So John kind of passes out. Jesus picks him back up and says, I am the first and the last. I was here from the beginning of time. I'll be here to the end of time. In fact, let me give you a little tip here. Jesus is coming back again, because he's going to wrap this all up. He helped start it all in Genesis. He's going to wrap it all up. And you want to be on his side. I'm just saying, you want to be on his side, okay? 
She's coming back again. You want to be on his side. He was here in the beginning. He'll be here in the end. It goes on to say this in the next verse. I am he who lives and was dead. And remember, again, we celebrate a God that was dead. All other gods are dead. I was dead, and behold, now I am alive forevermore. Another translation says forever and ever and ever. And then I love this, what Jesus says. He says, amen. I love it. You know, there's a biblical precedent. I would just talk to my church people for a second. There's a biblical precedent for someone amening themselves. Sometimes I have to do that and you wonder, he's amening himself. Well, Jesus had to do that sometimes too. I just, I'm always trying to follow the scripture with you. So Jesus amens himself and I have the keys. Here we go. I have the keys of Hades or hell and death. I am the one. Listen to me. I am the one because of what I did. I'm the only one that can unlock the hell in your life and that which is dead and dying. And it's important for you and I to know because we search so many other places, we pursue so many other things to try and find some kind of relief, to try and find something to alleviate the hell in our life, and try and find something to breathe life back into that which is dead and dying. And can I say that that, that is a vain search. It is only found in Jesus because he is the only one that has the keys to do that in your life, to unlock those things. He's the only one. And the resurrection provided that opportunity for you and I because Jesus came out alive with the keys to unlock that which is dead and dying in our lives. That was his mission. And I love that idea because we do celebrate you know, him paying for our sin. He's the only one and we celebrate that. But he also didn't just do that to get you saved. He did it so you could have a life of freedom, amen? You could have a life of victory. And so Jesus would say that I came, so not that you just celebrate my resurrection, that you can, but so you can have one of your own. And so I think that's so important for us to understand that he can unlock the hell and death in our life. So here's the question, really, what in your life is dead or dying? What in your life this morning would you describe as hell? And don't point to them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, what would, that, what would that look like? We're not here for that. <laughs> what was it in your life? What's the issue in your life? What's the struggle in your life? What's the thing that keeps you awake at night? What's the thing that just makes you just feel overwhelmed and just under the pressure and stress of life? And I know that you can say, well, I'm not dead. What are you talking about? There's not dead or dying in here. And I might say the same thing at some time, but I, I want you to know I'm not talking about a physical death because I know as a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals. I don't, I don't even want to go back and count how many. I've done a lot of funerals of people that were dead, but now we're really alive, amen, in heaven where real life is. But I've also know people that are really alive physically, but walking around dead. I don't want to be that guy. I can be alive in heaven one day, and I can be alive on my time on the earth. But we go through times and seasons in our life that we just need someone to unlock the freedom for us, unlock new life for us, unlock resurrection life for us, and the things that we struggle with. And Jesus is the only one because he went and got the keys to be able to do that. And I just want to say that there's a lot of people experiencing life as living dead. And, and we go around and we walk around that way. They're alive, but they're dying. And, and we need to ask, is there an area in my life that is dead or dying? And, and I want to say, it could be your finances. I mean, understand that. He, he got the key to unlock everything in your life. Maybe, maybe it's financial pressure. Maybe your, your finances. My, Pastor, my finances have been dead a long time ago. I don't know if anything could resurrect them. I mean, can I tell you? Jesus can. Amen. My marriage has been dead a long time ago. I don't think there's anything that can bring it back to life. Can I tell you? The resurrection power of Christ can bring anything back to life that's dead or dying. Amen. Your emotions, your dreams, your hopes, something on the inside of you is not working right now. Let me give you three examples of when I talk about being alive but yet dead. The first would be an emotional death. We experience emotional death in our life. And this is for someone who's stressed out. You're physically alive, but 
You're just stressed out, you're overwhelmed, your emotions have been stretched and, and, and disrupting your life, if you will. You have some kind of pressure on you. You don't sleep well at night. Maybe you don't eat well. Maybe you overeat because of pressure and stress. You're distraught. Maybe you're lonely. And maybe, for, maybe it's a man in here that's, that feels the financial pressure to provide for his family, and he's not able to do it, but he, but he doesn't want to let them know. So let anybody know. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody that was telling me, I have more month than money. I just go into a new month and I'm already short before anything even happens. And, and he, was, he was expressing that the, the pressure and the stress. And can I tell you that, that he came to unlock that in your life and to bring freedom there. Jesus did. The things that are overwhelming you. There's a, another death, second kind of death people experience all the time is relational death. Probably doesn't even need really any explanation but some things in your relationships are going wrong. Maybe you lost somebody, maybe it was to uh, old age, maybe it was to a disease, maybe it was something tragic, an accident or something of that sort. Maybe you lost somebody, maybe you've experienced a divorce, a breakup, a separation. Maybe these things happened a long time ago and you're still trying to pick up the pieces. Uh, maybe you've disconnected from a family member, from a parent or a sibling, uh, maybe a son or a daughter. Uh, anyone who's experienced a relational death, you know it hurts. In fact, really the pain is worse than physical pain. And there's one more death that you may not really think about, may not realize, but as a pastor I do, and that's a spiritual death, that we're dead spiritually. And there are people that are spiritually dead. They're very physically alive, they're breathing, they may even go to church their whole life. You realize you can go to, your church, go to church your whole life and still be spiritually dead. You can, and a lot of people do. It's not about going to church, it's about the relationship, amen, with Jesus. And we can be spiritually dead. It might be the thing that you've been in church your whole life and you're, and you're asking God for things. You're praying, but you've never really connected with Him. You don't have a relationship with Him. And it seems like maybe your prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. And when you're crying out in desperation and you're talking, it's like you're talking to the wall, and yet you've been in church your whole life or whatever that is and going through the motions of things, it becomes routine. You don't have a relationship with Him. And you can be spiritually dead in that sense. You may even be someone, and it's, this is hard for me to say, but you may even be someone who that's been hurt by a pastor or hurt at a church. That church hurt me, those hypocrites, whatever it is, and I haven't been back since. A spiritual death has happened in your life there. And can I tell you, this one is probably the most important one because you are a spirit being. You're a spirit being. This is the most critical one because at the end of life, your spirit's going to go somewhere because your spirit lives on forever. And so this is the most critical one, and it's the death that costs you the most, to be spiritually dead. And so here's the message as it relates back to Revelation 1, as the one who holds the keys to anything that's hell in your life or dead and dying. Romans 8, 11 says this, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, listen, that means you have the opportunity, yet you have the ability to have all the power in heaven that it took to raise Jesus and bring him out of the grave 2,000 years ago to live inside you. Think about that for a second. It can, the power of heaven that came to raise Jesus from the dead, that same power 2,000 years ago is the same power and energy that can live inside of you to bring that which is dead or dying in your life back to life. Can I tell you, nothing can resist the resurrection power of God. Death had no power, and now Jesus won the keys to hell and death, so that you can't keep, he, the devil can't keep you locked up, because Jesus got the key to unlock you. And so that same power can be alive in you. He who raised Christ from the dead, God will also give to your mortal bodies the things in you that are dead or dying, give to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you, he'll give you that power, that resurrection power. So we're not here just to celebrate a resurrection, we're here to experience one for ourselves. 
Each and every one of us has the opportunity to do that. We'll give life to that which is dead and dying in our lives, and that's what Easter is all about. Really, Easter's not about, way to go, Jesus, way to go, Woohoo! that event, man, you did good, you came back from the grave. It's not about that, it's about the same spirit that empowered him 2,000 years ago to bring him out of the grave, being available to you and I through his spirit who lives on. Let's read this same scripture in the message paraphrase. I love how it speaks here, how it says, what it says. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Now listen to the next part. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ, that resurrection life. Now notice I says right, right here in the middle of the verse, here it says, you'll be delivered from that dead life. That's interesting to me. That's like an oxymoron, dead life. That's like jumbo shrimp. I mean, it's like, I don't, what is that? You, if you go eat shrimp today, you'll know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, it doesn't make sense, dead life. What is it? Is it dead? Is it death? Is it life? Can I tell you again, a lot of people today are walking around alive but really dead on the inside. And the resurrection powers for everyone that has something in their life that is dead or dying. See, the point is, we don't have to live that way. We don't have to wait to the abundant life, the exceeding life, the overflowing life till we get to heaven one day. Because of the resurrection, we can experience it today. And so many of us will walk around dead yet alive. And I'm looking forward one day, my eternity secure in heaven, living life as God intended when it's my time. But can I tell you, I can live life as God intended while I'm here on the earth as well because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the same thing we have to understand. So understand this, Jesus got up. That power got Jesus up. That means you can get up. That means you can live again. That means your emotions can live again. That means your finances can live again. That means your relationships can live again. That means your marriages can live again. That means your hopes and dreams can live again. Why? Because Jesus did. And it's available for every single one of us. Why? Because Jesus went and got the keys to unlock those things in your life and my life. He can bring you alive to himself. And so when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. Now this is for every person that's feeling something dead or dying. And you need to have his spirit living in you and your body will be alive as his. Let's take a look at John, John 14. This, what Jesus says right here is said the night, one thing he's saying here we're gonna look at is the night before he was taken. This is a Thursday night. So this was foot washing night. This was communion night. This was the Lord's supper night. Here's one of the things that he said that night, John 14, 19. He says, before long, the world will not see me, meaning I'm gonna die, but you will see me, meaning I'm gonna rise again, and because I live and rose again, you also will live. Because he lives, you can live. Because he lives, you can live. Because he resurrected, you can have a resurrected life. Because he lives, you don't have to be dead or dying anymore. Because he lives, you don't have to feel alone anymore. Because he lives, you don't have to have dead finances anymore. Because he lives, you don't have to have a dead marriage anymore. Because he lives, you get the picture. Because he lives, everything that's dead and dying in your life can come alive again if you want it. And I want you to see the process of how God, why does this work? Let's see the process of how God works in someone's life. I, there's four steps that I want to talk to you about on how God works in people's life and how God works in all of our lives. The first thing that happens is there's a search. 
There's a search going on. Now, I want to do away with a couple misconceptions here, and I love doing that. Because when we think of search, when I, when I say there's a search, we're automatically going to think, yeah, my search for God. I, I'm going on a search for God, and I'm searching for God. Now, understand God put uh, uh, something on the inside of us that, that will be drawn to that. There's a, there's a hole, if you will, that only he can fill. But, but can I tell you, the misconception is that we're on this search for God. And, and to me, if we're on a search from God, it's almost like he's trying to hide from me. And can I tell you, it's not a search of us looking for God, it's a search of God looking for us. Because God does not hide from you, we hide from Him. And so we have this picture in our mind which is completely wrong, that God's just this aloof spiritual being up in heaven that you know you can't see him or find him until you do everything right, then all of a sudden he appears. It's almost like Dorothy looking for the Oz, right? Behind the carpet and stuff behind the curtain. There's not a curtain keeping him hidden from you. He, he, he longs to be with you. He, he, he wants to have relationship with you. It's his desire that none should perish, but all should have ever, everlasting life. It begins with, he's looking for you. He's searching for you. He's not this mean God waiting for you to get things straightened out, then you'll be able to see him. He's not this mystery to be solved. He's a God that loves you and cares for you. It's a search of God looking for you. He's looking for you. Now listen, most people have this bad view of God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when we're in sin, that we are the ones who ran from him and hid from him. And so God goes on a search, and he looks for you. And, and, and a lot of you know what I'm talking about because you can say, a lot of you in here can say, because I've said this before, I'm running from God. I'm running from God. And there's things that happen in your life, and a lot of us will say, well, God's trying to get my attention. Well, yes, he is. He's running to you. And Jesus even said this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I was the one looking for you. God loves you and he sees you in your condition and he's trying to find you just the way you are. He loves you. So he searches for you, he looks for you. You know, the first story in the Bible illustrates this. In fact, it's Adam and Eve and if we know the story, Adam and Eve were there in the perfect environment and God would walk with them and talk with them in the cool of the day and then sin came in and they fell into sin and all of a sudden now they're, they're hiding in guilt and shame and so God is looking for him. He didn't have to look for him before, now he's looking for him and God's calling out to him and Adam says, I'm sorry, I was hiding, I was afraid, so I hid because of the shame and guilt and in life. And so we hide from God. But it reminds me of a story of a pastor that would do, that would visit people that would visit his church. And after he'd get the visitor's cards, he'd go the next day or two and he'd go visit their homes. And can I just say this? We don't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> you can fill out the visitor card. I'm not going to show up on your doorstep, especially in Texas. All right. And who's that? Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> who's that on the front door? And so the, the, he, he goes and he goes to these houses and, and he has his business card and if no one answers the door, he puts a business card, like wedges it in the door frame there, but he writes a little scripture on there. He kind of thought it was kind of clever, kind of cute, kind of his thing he liked to do. And so if no one shows up at the door, then he'd wedge his business card in there and he'd write this scripture on it. Here's what he would say. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Now, he thinks it's a little clever. I think it's a little creepy. No, I don't want you coming in. Even if I was home, you're coming in. Who are you? But the interesting thing is, he gets a response that no one, no one answers the door in this, so he leaves his card. So the next Sunday, the person that owned the house is in, in the service, and so a card goes into the offering plate and comes back, the usher brings it the card back to the pastor with his scripture on it. And so it was the person's home that he visited. And so the lady of the house wrote a scripture back to him in response. And here's what she wrote back in response. He, uh, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Like, what's my... 
I don't care what you think, that's pretty funny. I, I'm still laughing, I've heard it many times. But as funny as it is, it's true. Now think about that for a second. There's spiritual truth right here. I was afraid and so I hid. And, and there's actually a spiritual truth in that scripture. And it's what people do. That we're afraid, what's God gonna think? How's he view me, what I did, what I didn't do? And so we get afraid at times. We're, some of us are afraid of going to church. And you may have come today and we're glad you're here. Whatever got you here, praise the Lord. We believe that was the Lord's plan for you to be here. Some of you are afraid of what's gonna happen in a service. Some of you are afraid of what God thinks. Some of you are afraid of what other people think. Some of you are afraid of that you've gone too far, you've done too much, you're too dead, that you couldn't come back to life again. And so what do we do? We run and hide, but guess what? You can't run and hide because his spirit is searching for you and looking for you. The spirit of God. So what does he do when he finds you? And this is another misconception about God. Let's clear this one up also. Most people think God requires you and I to get our act together first, and then we can have a relationship with him. And that's not what hap- how it happens, not it at all. The second thing he does after he searches for you is he rescues you. He will rescue you. He's not trying to fix you yet. You need to understand, he's not trying to fix you yet. He just wants to get you out of that mess. He just wants to get you out. He wants to take you out just like you are, mess and all. He loves your mess. He loves all, just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. He wants to rescue you. He wants to pull you out. His interest at first is not to get you right, but to get you out. That's what he's about. And God sees the awful, messed up things that we do, the the dirt, the corroded things, the rusted things in life and the things that we're in, and he likes it, he wants it. He wants things no one else wants. He he wants the things that people don't see value in anymore, that they don't even see in themselves. He he wants the things that have been discarded. He wants the things that have been thrown aside on the junk heap or the trash pile. He, He wants that, he sees value in it. See, some people think that they have to get their act together so they can get to God, but you have to get to God to get your act together. Because God loves you. He goes to the junkyard, to the scrap pile, because he sees value. He sees value in everything that's been cast aside or discarded. He sees value in it. You know what? You cannot rescue that which you do not value. So what everybody calls junk, Jesus sees is beauty. He sees potential. He sees value in it. It's, It's what he wants, and so he rescues you. And by the way, some of us in here need rescuing. All of us need it at some point in time. Some of us have been rescued, some need to be. You don't need to join a church yet. You don't need to be more religious. You just need to get out of that place of feeling that something's dead or dying in your life. You you need to get out of that place that you feel overwhelmed by darkness, overwhelmed by hell, you're sick of it. That's what we need. The third thing he does after he rescues you is he will restore, he'll restore you. He will restore you. Now this doesn't happen right away. You can get rescued today right away. But restoration doesn't happen right away. It's a process. It can begin today, but the process takes a while. And this is where a lot of us stop. A lot of us like the search and the rescue part, but a lot of us won't go through a restoration process. But God wants to not just rescue you, then he wants to clean you up. He wants to, he wants to help get all those things out of you, deal with that junk, he wants to unlock the things in your life that are bound up, that are dead and dying. And so he'll, he'll take time to do that. We all need this. The truth is we all have issues. I have issues, you have issues, all God's people have issues. And if you don't think that you have issues, that's your issue, all right? Can I tell you? There's no perfect person, there's no perfect church. Can I tell you? And, and I hope that you come back visit. I'm gonna be straight with you right now, visitors. This is a church that has issues. 
The pastor has issues. The congregants don't, uh, don't amen to the pastor has issues, okay? All right, I'm not amening myself on that one either, by the way. Listen, that's okay because we're all on a restoration process. It doesn't happen overnight, but we have to be honest and allow God to restore us. So he searches for us and then he rescues us and gets us out of that stuff so then he can restore us back to the beautiful thing he created us to be. And I, can I tell you, I wanna be a part of a group of people that will be honest and go through a restoration process and not act like they have it all together. That's where I wanna be, where I can be honest and transparent and keep working on my restoration process and help somebody on theirs as well. And so he'll, he'll, he'll do that, he'll, he'll restore you. Uh, the, last things he, the last thing he does is this, he'll redeem you. He will redeem you. Now a lot of us maybe don't understand that word, but redeem means to take the thing that was broken, to take that which was lost, messed up, corroded, rusty, dirty, and not just get it out of there and clean it up some, but the question is can it be turned into something useful again? Can the junk have some kind of redemptive value again? And the answer is absolutely yes. How do I know? Because it's the resurrection power and Jesus won the keys to that. See, the best part of all this is not just that he'll search for you or he'll save you or or, or rescue you. It's not just that he'll restore you, but it's that he can turn your life that you thought was over or dead back into something living and of value again. That's the beauty of it. Live life that's been redeemed. You know, there's a, a gentleman in our church that, uh, he's on staff here at the church. We, we couldn't do what we do without him, and, and he uh, heads up all of our maintenance, and he's just a very skilled man, very, very a talented man, very wise. And he just can fix anything. I'm telling you, he can fix anything. He can create anything, make anything, repair anything. His name's Jack. He, he can do all that. We depend so much. I don't know what we do without him. I think the church could go on without me, but I don't know it could go on without Jack. He he's so, does so much here. And so I was talking to Jack the other day out in his workshop, and I, and I said, Jack, I said, here's what's on my heart. I want to talk about this process of search and rescue and restore and redeem and kind of start sharing it. And then something kind of started forming in our hearts, and, and, and we were looking around, and, and, and in Jack's shop is all kinds, he works with metals, all kinds of pieces of metal on the ground and all kinds of things laying around there. You got to be really, you got to be really careful when you're walking around in there, actually. And, and things that he'd been working on projects, there's piles of scrap and piles of junk, and start to looking around, and all of a sudden, we start seeing this process, it's the same thing. That the things that have been discarded, the things that have been counted as junk or maybe have no value, all of a sudden he was searching for, the, for, for those pieces and, and he'd get those pieces and find them and then he would rescue them from the junk pile of the junk keep and then he would restore them and prepare them and, and he'd put them together and redeem them. Now it could be something beautiful hung on the wall, a beautiful work of art where before it was just discarded trash or junk. And I think that's the same process we're talking about here that God can do that, he can do that with a life, he can do that with a family, it's a picture of Jesus searching, rescuing, restoring, redeeming, and he can do that in any area of your life, he can unlock those things which are dead and dying. And so we put that with a testimony, so I want you to watch this screen, this video. church with my friends. I made sure every Saturday night to actually spend the night with a friend who went to church just so that I could go to church. 
It was when I was about 12 years old that I stopped going to church. And unfortunately, that caused me to uh, kind of turn my back on, on the church. And it wasn't that I stopped believing in spirituality or anything like that. I just stopped being comfortable, stopped feeling welcomed, and I no longer wanted to, to go. I think it was around 14 or 15 that I got with the wrong crowd and just stopped going. Between that and work, I fell away from it. Instead of having somewhere I could feel safe, I now would walk into a place and feel unloved, unwelcomed, and I was constantly in insecurity. And that was something that I had to face on a daily basis. And there was bullying, and there were things that I had nowhere to turn. And that was my dark place. I got in with friends that were pretty much troublemakers, and we did things that I'm not proud of. I still believed in God. Uh, I didn't believe in having to have a place to worship because it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But I knew He existed. I knew that He loved me. But wishing that He would be more present at the time. I remember people would approach me and grab my hand and say, let's pray about something, and I would pull away completely. And looking back on that and thinking about how I felt when I was in those situations, it doesn't even make sense to me now. And I can't even begin to explain how, how, how strange it is to look back and see, gosh, I was afraid to even be, have an encounter with God. Even with all of my negative feelings toward going to church, I mean, I hadn't stepped foot in a church in 20 years. And I remember Stormy and BJ Crawford, they invited us up to church because Fancy had a lead in the Christmas play. So we walked in and I'll never forget, I was terrified. I, re I just remember thinking, if anybody approaches me, I'm gonna freak out. And we got through the entire service. We enjoyed all of it. And we left and I said, John, you know, I might even consider going back. About five years ago, I was diagnosed with several autoimmune diseases. And one of them is systemic lupus, another is rheumatoid arthritis, and I've also got secondary fibromyalgia. And I've gone through about nine surgeries already. So that is always, that's been a big struggle. And at one point, the doctors said I should go on disability and just stop working altogether. All Part of what has given me so much strength was being able to come back into the church, being able to have someone always in my side. Not that John's not always on my side, but to have God on my side. That was a huge change for me, to break down those walls between he and I and be, have someone to lean on every single morning. Someone to thank God I'm still here. Thank God I can get up. So we went. And we actually, we raised our hands and we asked to be saved the very first day. And a few weeks later, we had Encounter Sunday. And Encounter Sunday, I remember it was amazing. And I just, I prayed for my walls to come down and I was completely overtaken. And that this is where I belonged. And I feel 
safe here. I miss church. I miss the family. Ben loved it. He loved Faith Factory. He came out of Faith Factory that first day and he was like, Mom, we're coming back. <laughs> and, you know, he hadn't even been introduced to God, not really. And at eight years old, he came in and he was full force. I'm all in. And this is how we're going to do this. And it was Braden who decided we were going to start going to church on Wednesdays. I mean, he just kind of, he laid it down for us. And I said, okay, let's do it. I love the idea that I have someone to lean on every single day, that I have something say thank you and I can face my day and fight and I would say that now as a family as a family unit we're just so much stronger than we were before I love that story, and really that's all of our stories. Wherever you are on that journey, God's searching, and he's looking to rescue you, you as an individual, your family, from the things that have kept you bound up, locked up. And he wants to restore you, and it is a process, and it takes some time, but then he wants to redeem you and make something beautiful out of perhaps what you thought was discarded or invaluable, and this is the final product that Jack made, and I'm keeping it. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I saw that and I thought, I want to hang down on the wall in the offices so we're always remembered of what we're here for, why we are so passionate about introducing people to Jesus and his resurrection power, because that's our story. At some point, we all have been lost. And at some point in time, God came searching for us, and we're at different places on our journey, wherever you are today, and at, at some point, we, we allowed him to rescue us, which is what he longs to do, and then we're, we're, we're trying to walk through, we have good days and bad days, walk through a restorative process, but ultimately, God wants to make us something beautiful, redeem us, a beautiful work of art again, and that can be your story. I want to close this time right now with a scripture that is our prayer for each and every one of you, what we've been praying here in Ephesians, it says this, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven, and it is that same great mighty power that is available for you. Easter is about you having resurrection power. He holds the key to unlock everything in your life that is dead and dying so it can live again. One of the things in getting ready for this message, we wanted to give you something. We wanted you to walk out something, not with just an experience with God, but to something that to remind you that when you leave this place, that you still have value to God and he still is there in your life and he wants to work with you. And so, in Revelation, it talks about 118, that he has Jesus won the keys to hell and death. He won the key to unlock everything in your life. So on your way out, as a symbol of what God has done in our lives, and perhaps as a reminder that you can look back when times get tough, and they will, but you can have the victory because of the resurrection power in you, then we've got a key. And it won't look like any other key that you have because it hasn't been cut. It's just a blank key. So it will stand out, maybe on your key ring, maybe in some other way. But I would pray that all of you take it and be reminded because every day we need to be reminded that we belong to him. That he searched for us and that he rescued us and that he's restoring us and redeeming us to something great, something of value. And that he won the keys to our life and he won the key to lock up, unlock, unlock everything that's dead and dying. And I pray that you all will grab a key as a reminder of this day. 
And as we close our services, what we do here at Tree, what we have to do, what we need to do, what we must do is give everybody an opportunity, everyone an opportunity to be rescued. God has been searching. You're here because he's been searching for you. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, then today is your day. And I could not think of a better day to come to Christ and experience his resurrection power than on the day we celebrate his resurrection. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna ask you to consider where you are in that journey. Because he loves you no matter what you've done, just as you are, and he wants to just get you out of the mess, and then you can work on a restoration process, and ultimately he wants to redeem you back to something beautiful, as he always intended, to have great value and significance and purpose on this earth. So on the chance there's one here this morning that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you do not remember a moment in time that you intentionally, purposely invited him in. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you have not taken the time to invite him in for that personal relationship. Maybe you did at Grandma's one summer, you're not sure. You can be sure. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray a commitment prayer. I'm not going to have anybody stand. I'm not going to have anybody come up front. In fact, we'll all pray the prayer together. But if you're here this morning and you know you're at that place, you feel something tugging on your heart, that you need to invite Jesus in to be your Savior and Lord, or you want to be sure that that's been taken care of this morning. You want him to rescue you because you know he's been searching for you. If that's you this morning and you would say, Pastor, could you include me in that commitment prayer? Let me simply see your hand this morning. Let me simply see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise them up. Be bold. Just raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up right away. We all need to be rescued. We all couldn't rescue ourselves. We can't restore ourselves. He's the only one that has the keys, so raise them high. Invite them into your heart and your life today. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Hands all over. Thank you. And maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I've prayed that prayer, but it seems like he's a million miles away. Let me encourage you, he'll never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we get off track from the things of God, and we need to make a course correction, a course adjustment. We might say rededicate, recommit. If that's you this morning, and you know you need to get back on track with the things of God, and you would say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? Let me see your hand as well this morning. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Hands all over. Hands all over. Thank you, thank you. Everyone put your hands down, look up for just another few moments. The power and the commitment prayer, as I said, we're gonna pray. The power is attaching your heart to it. When you pray from your heart, God sees your heart and does what only he can do. Change and transform you from the inside out. So I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me, whether you raise your hand or not. Let's pray it all together. But pray from your heart, and when you do, that gives God the permission to come and do what only he can. Change and transform you from the inside out. Unlock that place in you. Those places in you that are dead and dying so new life, resurrection life can come. So if you would join me in this prayer, but mean it from the bottom of your heart as we pray. Repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Sent to the cross, paying for my sin, and going to a grave, and rising again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. And thank you for rising again so I could be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior and Lord, now and forever. I receive you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's a good, faithful God. He's a good, faithful God. Got a great plan for your life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream.
Thank you again for listening.